Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, you have found another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to what we used to call the cool kids table here on the show when the show was called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Uh, we are now over 625 episodes. We're having a lot of fun along the way. Uh, I have a little commercial for you, though. Do me a favor. If you are a speaker or you speak sometimes and would like to get paid for it, or you're a trainer or a facilitator or a podcaster, do me a favor and check out the brand new show that I just launched in partnership with the National Speakers Association. In January 2021, we launched a brand new show called Speakernomics, and it is all about how to make more money in the speaking industry. And I'm interviewing some of the top people, not just from the National Speakers Association, but from around the country and hopefully around the world who use the spoken word to improve and grow their businesses. And Speakernomics is the place for anyone who wants to understand sort of some tips on, on how to grow their business. And remember, what we want you to do with that show is we want you to speak, get paid, repeat. So today here on Making Waves at Sea Level, we're gonna talk a little bit about growing your business through acquisition. And I have with me a sales trainer and an expert in the world of how you grow your business, and that is Ryan Snow. Ryan, you know, he that's what he does. He trains people and helps companies grow. And we're gonna talk a little bit about how do smaller and mid-sized businesses grow through acquisition the way large companies do. Hey Ryan, welcome. Good morning, thanks Tom. So Ryan, give me a little bit about your background. You're a sales trainer, but but what did you do to start off? Were you in sales? Were you a sales manager? What's what's Ryan's story? Yeah, so all of those things. Uh, I graduated from Tufts University the year that 9-11 happened. So initially I was an economics major and an English major. And I thought that I was gonna go into consulting in the city like all of my friends prior had done. And then they all got laid off my senior year and there were no jobs to be found. So I landed in sales at Cutco, actually, of all places, and started selling knives in homes. Uh, and by the time I was 23, I was running an office with about 120 sales reps working for me up in Burlington, Vermont. So when I was in college, I actually sold knives for Cutco one summer. Uh, I've interviewed two or three people on this show over the years who that's where they cut their teeth in sales. You certainly learn when you're out there grinding away selling something like kitchen knives, you certainly understand what it is to sell, right? You definitely do, yeah. And and for me, I got into the management side there too. So I got to learn recruiting and managing an office. And it's funny, like years later, I was running a real estate brokerage and I looked at my job and I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing when I was 22 years old. Right, so. absolutely, absolutely. So uh, when did you take the leap into training others? I mean, you, you've done a couple different things, worked in a couple different industries. When did you decide, I'm gonna take these sales skills into companies and, and help individuals sell more? 
Yeah, so I, I've done it a handful of times, actually. So when I was at Cutco, I opened my own office and that I became a trainer there, a recruiter and a trainer, like right out of the gates. And um, and then when I left Cutco, uh, I did a brief stint selling some timeshare and lived at a ski lodge and was a ski bum for about a year or so. And then moved back to Massachusetts where I grew up and I became a teacher, which is something that I always wanted to do. So I spent seven years in the classroom teaching and that's really where I kind of honed my skill and realized that that's, I loved that. Um, and I started having kids. So when my first son was born, I was like, I love teaching, but this is my seventh year and I'm making $55,000 a year. This isn't going to do it for me. And so I got my real estate license and got back into the sales side of things. And what I found in real estate was one of the reasons I feel like I did pretty well there is because I just taught people, right? I just shared valuable information with them that would make it easier for them to make this big decision. And that's how we connected. And then I ended up finding myself back in the teaching and training world in real estate, running a brokerage. Uh, and then eventually I took the show on the road. So I wrote The Miracle Morning for Salespeople with Hal uh, about five or six years ago. That's Hal, um, that's Hal Elrod, the author of uh, The Miracle Mornings. Yeah, so him and I co-authored Miracle Morning for Salespeople. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he actually lives in Austin, Texas. I, he does live I, in Austin, I've never Texas. met him. I don't know why we've never crossed paths, but but we have some mutual friends. Yeah, so a bunch of our friends live down there now. They've all sort of moved to one neighborhood. Um, but yeah, Hal's in Austin now. And uh, we wrote a 120-page workbook for people to actually implement the trainings in the in the book. And I traveled around the U.S. and in Canada and Mexico and have taught that one day workshop all over the place. And that's kind of when I made the leap about five or six years ago to do that. So let's let's give a couple of sales tips. Uh, you know, the show we focus on on company growth and on how you can make waves out there in your industry. So what are a couple of tips for salespeople before we get into this acquisition conversation? Yeah. So one, I think, is about the importance of the relationship, right? Like lifetime value of a client is probably the most important thing. So what are the other things that are overlap that the clients you already have either need or want that you could potentially offer them, whether that's a new product line or service line, or even just engaging them enough in increasing their orders and finding a way to help them grow, which also then in turn helps you grow. So how do you build upon the relationships that you already have is probably the, the biggest area where companies leave, uh, leave stuff on the table that would be the easy scraps for them to pick up. Um, so if, if that's the number one problem that people have and it's the easiest way to, to pick up more income, how do you do that? I mean, I know because this is what I teach people, but how do you take that relationship to the next level? How, how, how do you take that human connection and actually capitalize on it for, for the good of all? Yeah, it's just about having purposeful engagement, right? It's about asking the right questions and not just calling to connect, like to shoot the breeze, but calling to connect, to dig into like, what's, what's the thing that's going really well for them right now? What, what's working for them, right? What's one area that's like keeping them up at night? What's the problem they're trying to solve? And then deciding if you can solve that problem, if you're capable of solving the problem, great. And sometimes you're not, but then who do you know that is, who could you refer them to or whatever so that you become the connector so that every conversation they have with you, they feel like they're getting value. And then when you, the day you are the solution to the problem and you're like, Hey, we can do that for you. It's like a no brainer. They're just going to say yes, because you've helped them solve all the other problems. Even if you weren't the one that did it, when you were able to connect with them with somebody else that could. I mean, for me, this is like basic sales stuff, right? But how come yep. so many people drop the ball 
at sort of being there when they're not actually selling something. So if it's not, if there's nothing in it for me, I'm not going to talk to that client. Why, why do so many people fall into that and stay distant rather than, than socially tightening those relationships? I mean, I think that we get trained as salespeople to go find the next client, right? That's what we do. And so I think people are always chasing the next client, the next client, the next client, and they, they don't schedule in the time. They're not, uh, I don't, I don't think they intentionally don't connect with them. They just don't intentionally connect with them, right? So it's not like we're against doing it. It's just not part of the plan, and it really should be part of the plan. All right, so let's jump into this whole idea of acquisitions, adding products and services for companies that maybe aren't, you know, Fortune 1000, 2000. If we're talking small companies, mid-sized companies, a lot of them would never think of acquisition. Yeah, so most of these companies are 500,000 in revenue to 5 million in revenue. That's kind of the where it trails off. After that, you get into some of the bigger companies, private equity firms are looking at them and there's a lot of competition. Um, but in between those two areas, people really don't think to acquire. It's a little bit messy of a space. So you need to have some knowledge and know what to look for and what to ask for. Um, people's books are not always that well kept, right? A lot of times they have multiple businesses that are commingled. So sorting those things out, to figuring out financing around them uh, isn't always super easy when, when those financials aren't lined up. So uh, people don't, when we talk about this with somebody for the first time, they've never even thought of it. Right. So, so how did you get into this area? So let's let's take the leap away from your sales training and let's talk about how you work with companies and and talk about, you know, growing by acquisition. How did you how did you even make that leap? There's a lot of sales trainers out there. I don't see them teaching this. Yeah. Uh, great question. So I actually during covid, um, a friend of mine, Amber Vilhauer, runs a. Uh, a conversation that they called Elevate online. It was like a live series online and brought a bunch of people in and interviewed them. And uh, I was listening and she put it out there as a challenge for other people to join in and host some of these. And so I ended up hosting like 13 or 14 of these shows. And one of the people that I brought on is somebody that I was on an entrepreneur panel with a few years ago, Cody Sanchez. So she comes from a private equity background in cannabis. She's a partner in a private equity firm. Uh, and her and I partnered and essentially I, in talking to her, I realized that part of my recruiting days was in acquisitions and I just didn't call it that. Right. So we would be running a real estate brokerage. Uh, we would have a mom and pop shop that we were trying to get to join and they had seven or eight agents with them and we would roll them into our business and they would get paid out a percentage of the revenue that came from their team over the next three or four or five years, however we laid out that acquisition. But we didn't call it acquisitions, right? We just called it recruiting. And so when I started seeing what she was talking about and doing it, I was like, this makes total sense. And then we started looking at the opportunity. There's two and a half million of these businesses publicly listed for sale right now, like one out of 11 will sell in the next 12 months. And you've got 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day, 19% of them own a small business. So that's 1,900 new opportunities a day. Uh, and a lot of those people will just walk away from their business. They'll just shut it down because they don't realize that they have even a saleable asset. And even if their business isn't saleable, there's parts of it that are, right? So there's the customer list, there's the website, there's all these things that we pay for in startup costs when we get going. Uh, and some of those have value to somebody else that's doing something similar. So looking for those opportunities is what we help people do. Interesting. So again, you, you made an interesting point that made me sort of perk up there. And that was 
a lot of people don't even know they have something to sell. So, so how do you even get from, you know, hey, I want to grow by acquisition to getting Becky to think she has something she can sell? Yeah, so uh, the same way you would go get clients, right? I mean, you start having conversations with people that would be in that space that might just be the connector. And um, I would start planning out like a year to five years in advance because a lot of these people that have owned their company for 25, 30 years, they're profitable, which is great. So there are programs out there that teach people to go find failing businesses and fix them up. Uh, That's not what we do. We wanna buy a stream of profit with a company that's actually done really well over the past five years. Uh, and that person is looking for a way to exit basically. So that you can classify like, here's the type of businesses I would actually wanna buy. And here's usually kind of like the age group or bracket of people who are looking to exit and then just start, con- it's really a niched market. So it's not hard to get into and have conversations with those people and just, approach from from hey here here's something we would like to do we're looking to expand in this area if you're ever looking to get out uh and you're thinking about selling we we would love to talk to you guys about it and just really soft pitch so i've actually done this a couple of times and had conversations with people who had small businesses that were complementary to what i do and i thought oh that would be great and they're of the age where they want to go down and what i've found is what they think their business is worth and what i would be willing to pay are not just a little off, it's like, you know, 5X off because (laughs) their business is built mainly around sort of their personality. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, it's, you know, 5X EBITDA. And it's like, we take you out of the equation, no. Right. So, So how do you even have that conversation? Well, so for one thing, we would define it as, is it a job or is it a business, right? So if they have to be the one that does everything because it's based around personality, then they're really selling you a job. And usually when somebody's buying a job, it's like one X. <laughs> right. Oh, I, I mean, I, I right. agree that there's there's a lot of things out there that would be interesting to me, mm-hmm. but, you know, and, and maybe it's not just their personality. Maybe it's something else, but it's like, you know, it's it's not worth 3X or 5X because yeah. of the reality of a small business and the way relationships work in a small business. It's not like, you know, Coke buying Pepsi. There's a lot of there's a lot of differences going on there. Yeah. So I think part of it, too, is what are the terms? Right. So if the terms are that they're going to stay on board in even a co- consultative role to help make sure their customers transition over and stay there and there's a non-compete and there's some touches in place and like if a lot of those things exist, then it helps the multiple, right? Because then part of the business still exists um, as opposed to you just buying a client list, which is not worth anything more than like one X. Most businesses in this range of like half a million to two, three million before they go up any more than that are usually between two and three X mm-hmm. if there is an actual business. And if it's a job and they've been 100% full-time in it to be able to get there, and they're working 50, 60, 78, hour, 80 hours a week, then it's like one to one and a half X. Right, although those people think they're worth three or more X. Yeah, yeah, I mean, really the only way to show them that they're not would be to show them other ones that have sold, and that's a little bit harder too to find all of that data, but it, it's out there, I mean, you can pay for it. Um, so that I mean, that's where I would start, but. All right, so if someone's listening to this and, and they're a small business person and they're thinking, huh, I might be interested in growing through acquisition, what do they even do? Well, I know you have a course uh, that, that you and Cody put together. What, what, how does this even work? 
Yeah. So we have a course that runs through like the nine different steps somebody needs to take in like preparation and thinking about why and how and which direction they would want to expand. Uh, We look for how can we take advantage of economies of scope or economies of scale, right? So are we looking for uh, expansion in the sense that we're moving into a new territory, but we're offering the exact same products and services and we're just adding another location? Or are we expanding in that we're going to add a new product or service line uh, that then crosses over. And so now we can cross sell to both sets of customers. So just getting some clarity around what they even want to do. What's the goal? Is it a financial goal? Is it a better service goal for their clients? And then once we highlight those things, uh, we're going to show them how to go out and start having some of these conversations. There are websites that people can go look on. Uh, so there's bizbysell.com. Uh, for some of the online stuff, there's Empire uh, Flippers. There's, uh, what's the other one there that... Uh, I'll think of it in a minute, but there's another website one where they sit by and sell web businesses on it. So there are places for people to start, but that's like the MLS, right? So if you're investing in real estate, the last place you're going to typically find the best deal is on the market. You're going to find the ones that are off the market. And so we teach them how to start having some of those soft conversations and who they should be networking with uh, to figure that out. Like even local CPAs and uh, business attorneys and whatever, like those are usually the people that hear about it first when somebody wants to exit and they're trying to make a plan uh, to be able to do that. They often know about it years in advance. So those are good places to start and just get some relationships with those people. And it's also good to be able to refer business to them because if you're working with other companies, you can send them clients and whatever. So uh, that that's where we would start. And then there's the process of learning how do I value each of these companies? How do I structure these deals? There's lots of different ways to structure them. Um, and so part of it is coming down to like your price, my terms, or my price, your terms. And and that's sometimes where you get some of those other things to kick in. Sure, I'll pay you 3X, but here's what I expect in return. It's going to be this, this, and that. And we're going to pay you over the course of the four years out of revenue. So you have to make sure that the revenue is still there because if it doesn't hit the number that we're talking about, then you're getting 2X, not 3X. Right. All right. I want to dive deeper into this. So I want you to think about, this is great at the the high level. I want to get in the weeds, maybe with two pieces of advice for someone who wants to do this, what they need to do right now or, or what they really need to be doing. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on growing your audience, creating great content, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Ryan Snow. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, plus since the pandemic started, everyone who breathes air is starting a podcast, and I know you're thinking, I need to do this too. Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. Oh yeah, they give you a discount. All right, so Ryan, I don't want theory, I want action. I want action items. What do people need to do to acquire a business? Well, the number one thing that they have to do is they need to start looking at deals, right? And they they gotta look at a lot of them because they're gonna look at 100 deals to close one or two. So even if that's just going on to bizbysell.com and just starting to look at a ton of deals in the areas that they would be open to, they'll start to get a, a feeling for the pattern and they will actually be taking action towards being able to send the first LOI or uh, even just sign their first NDA. 
so that they get all the information back. Um, and in doing that, I don't just mean like flip through and look at deals. I mean, like take the numbers, punch them into a spreadsheet and say, does this deal make sense? Does this deal make sense? And you got to be able to do it so fast that it's like being on Tinder, like swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. Oh, here's a good one. Right. Because if you're going to look at 100 deals, you don't want to waste your whole all your time doing that. Um, and then <clears throat> you got to go and sit down with an owner like go have the first conversation. And it's not typically like, hey, I'm going to buy your company. Right. It, that conversation is probably not going to go well. A lot of these people have been running their company for 20 or 30 years. It's their baby. And so the thought there's this emotional barrier a lot of times for somebody to walk away from that. Um, but also in the back of their head, they're thinking like, well, what if I got sick? And then who would do my job and who would run my company? I'm getting older now. Like, I'd like to be able to travel more. And so just asking questions along those lines, like, hey, have you thought about what you're going to do with your company in the next five years? Have you thought about wanting to travel more? Have you thought about what you're going to do when you decide not to work anymore? Like, what are you doing with your company is do you have somebody that's going to take it over? Are you just going to close it down? Would you think about selling it? And then just see where the conversation goes and find out what their wants and needs are. Because a lot of it isn't money um, with some of these people. It's, are my employees still going to have jobs? They've been working for me for 20 years, right? Uh, is the brand that I built still going to be around? Are my cu customer this, that I've had for 20, 25 years going to be taken care of? Um, a lot of times that matters more than the exact dollar amount that they're going to get. All right. So... How do you even have a conversation? So let's say you're like, all right, I know some people whose businesses are complimentary and they're not big businesses. How do you even have the conversation? What, what, what's the first step? How do, you, how do you call Becky and say, let's do this? <clears throat> yeah, I would say, so if you know Becky, you just call Becky. But if you don't know Becky, I would get an introduction to Becky and have it be somebody that actually knows you fairly well so that you can borrow from that trust relationship. Because if the first phone call you ever have with Becky starts with, hey, Becky, this is Ryan. I want to buy your business. That's probably going to be really uncomfortable if there's no trust there, right? There's no likability factor already. So look for a relationship that you can borrow from. Like LinkedIn is great for this. Go find out who they're already connected to uh, and find your kind of second level connection that could make an intro for you. And then start really soft, right? Just let them know this is what you do. This is what you're looking for. Hey, it might not be you that's thinking about selling, but you might know somebody else in the field uh, that would be thinking about selling. So if you can think of anybody that would fit this, then let me know. I'd love to have coffee or love to sit down and chat with you. So that leads me to sort of a question. Should you be putting it out there in your industry, amongst your friends, in your networking groups, and the associations that you belong to that I've got my eyes open to do some rolling up? Should you Hell just yes. let people know? Hell yes. Yes. I mean, you have to, right? So people need to think of you as an, a small business investor. Like, this is what I do. I'm buying small businesses and you need to own that, right? You have to, that is now what you are uh, as part of your persona and as part of your business. That is how you are growing. And uh, it, it's a much faster path to growth once you're able to do that and own that that's part of what you're doing to grow, right? Because if I'm doing a million a year, I can buy another company that's doing a million a year and I just doubled my revenue uh, in one move versus trying to do that through marketing and sales platforms, that can take years. So what if you're on the other side of this? What if somebody calls you? So I just recently, between two friends of mine, well, one friend and one acquaintance, I just tried to broker this conversation. One friend said, I maybe want to buy her IP and her list, right? This wasn't going to be a huge thing. It was a, a solopreneur for the most part business. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew the person's husband and 
they ignored my my initial outreach. So a couple weeks later, I reached out again and they came back and said, yeah, we don't even want to have a conversation. And, uh, you know, may, maybe, you know, we, we're kind of closing that business and maybe our daughter would eventually reopen it. We don't even want to talk. And my thought was, why wouldn't you talk? So if somebody reaches out to you and says, I want to have a conversation, sh- should they have the conversation? I mean, I would, I would want to have the conversation, but again, keep in mind that for these people, it may be like an emotional tie. Like even just the, they alluded to the fact my daughter may open it someday. Like if they're hanging on to the daughter is going to keep the company and the legacy alive and that's their baby, then that's going to be a much harder objective to overcome. Um, Now, I would also say that you can move mountains by putting an offer in front of somebody and you can make that offer contingent on lots of different things. So like a letter of intent to want to purchase something with an actual number in it may get a very different response than, hey, let's have a conversation. If it's like, hey, let's have a conversation starting at a million dollars. Well, some people's ears might perk up and they might want to hear the conversation. Their company might not even be worth a million dollars and you're not going to know that until you get further into the company, but uh, putting a number on it can change things. Sure, all right. So any other words of advice around this whole idea of acquisition by growth? I I would just say surround yourself with other people who are doing it. It's a very different skill uh, than most people have in their toolbox right now because it's something that they do at the high level at a lot of big companies like Amazon and Facebook and whatever are constantly buying up these other companies. But we as small business owners don't tend to do it. So uh, we have a mastermind group for people that are doing it successfully. There's 70 people in that. We share ideas every Monday. We do deal reviews with them, hot seats. We bring in uh, outside people who are experts in certain fields. So we've got a guy recently came in. We interviewed him. He's bought up four laundromats and is doing a roll up to 10 laundromats uh, to then sell off at a higher multiple because they'll be doing about eight to 10 million in volume at that point. Um, and we had somebody else who only sells HVAC companies. That's all he does uh, come in and talk. Cause we had lots of people that were looking in that, that home services industry. So uh, it's just an opportunity to surround yourself with other people that are doing the same things and you just learn a lot faster that way. So Ryan, if people want to know more about you as a sales trainer, or they want to know about this course for growth through acquisition, how do people find you? Yeah, so they can find me uh, on social, definitely. And then the websites are ExplosiveSalesGrowth.com and UnconventionalAcquisitions.com. Right. A big mouthful there. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's, that's a lot of letters. We wanted a lot of vowels. Yeah, it just seemed like a good idea. Uh, how to <laughs> uh, BuyAsmallBiz.com, B-I-Z, will actually redirect them there, too. How to Buy a Small easy. Biz. There you go. Perfect. Just BuyAsmallBiz.com. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming here on Making Waves at sea level we really appreciate you being a guest and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened i've been saying this for like 627 episodes or whatever we're at if it wasn't for the audience why would we do the show uh, big favor to ask obviously we love the reviews and the uh the the five star things on on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love uh but more important if you like the show tell a friend when i meet people who listen to my show and i say what made you pick mine Uh, The number one answer is my boss told me, my neighbor told me, my mom told me I should be listening to this podcast. So we try to make it interesting. Uh, We try to bring in people who will make you think a little different. I think Ryan did a good job today. If you're a a small and growth oriented business, acquisition may not have been something you've thought about before. And of course, sales is always important. So go on out there, 
flex your business muscles. Uh, make sure that your career ladder is against the right wall because don't do what I did for 20 plus years and climb the career ladder to find out you're in the wrong place. Uh, and then on top of that, while you're out there, have some fun. Go out. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.